You are listening to the teaching ministry of Christ the King Reformed Baptist Church, located in Utica, New York. At Christ the King, our desire is for you to not only know Jesus as Savior and Lord, but to also learn to walk joyfully in obedience to God's commands. To learn more about our church, please visit us at www.kingskirk.org. That's K-I-N-G-S-K-I-R-K dot O-R-G. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, this morning, I have been assigned the task of preaching on biblical self-stewardship. Uh, the scripture foundational portion that we're going to be reading from, the main text, is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. Here Paul writes, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? No. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin that a person commits is outside the body. But sexual immorality, or the sexual immoral person, sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, at first glance, it may seem like the main uh, purpose of this is to speak against sexual immorality, but Paul's making a much larger point here, and it's the fact that when Jesus purchases us, he purchases us both spiritually spiritually, and physically. And therefore, we must be good stewards of our physical bodies as a mode of worship to God. Stewardship in the Bible has to do with the understanding that your life isn't your own. Your life is on loan from God, regardless of whether we acknowledge it or not. And God calls us to steward everything about our lives for his glory and the good of others. Your money, your family, and your body. Due to the fact that we're sinful and fallen, we don't do this by nature. In fact, by nature, we destroy ourselves through sin. I want to give you a little bit of background as to why this topic is actually important to me. I've mentioned before, when I was younger, I was a rampant atheist. And eventually, I braced full nihilism. I literally had a plan by the age of 20 to make sure that I lived hard and fast so I'd be dead by 30. Whoops, I was wrong. I was into fighting for sport and for fun. I broke a lot of bones and had a lot of my own broken. I lived hard and fast and without thought for the future because I figured it's all meaningless. What's the point? On top of that, during this period, I became a chef. And if you've ever read about or worked in the culinary industry, you know about the type of people that typically go into that field and the type of stuff they're into. 
In some places I worked, I'd have coworkers that would regularly sneak out to do lines of cocaine during shifts and engage in all sorts of other places while off shift. The culture that I was surrounded with, and though I never personally got addicted to drugs, I did live fast and hard. I ate and drank whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, for whatever reason. I'll spare any more graphic details, but I was not, well, the point is, I was not always a good, wholesome Christian boy. Fast forward, I do become a good, wholesome Christian boy. And everything is different now. I get that I can't live that heavy drinking, partying lifestyle that I once did. In fact, all the Christians in my life at that point made that very clear. And I wanted to follow Jesus, so I left everything behind. I left my friends. I left my career, and I was like, okay, what's next? I looked to those who had gone in the faith before me. I understood that I couldn't do the same things that I used to, and I took the call as seriously as I could. And one thing that I noticed is that the Christians in my life at that time, they were very clear about, you know, you can't be doing the drugs, and you can't be drinking, and you can't be, you know, living fast, you know? They were very clear about that. But nobody ever addressed, addressed gluttony as a sin because it was a societal norm. In fact, I remember one lady, she told me, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Jesus would rather you have some pie than go out to the bar. So you know what? I had some pie. A lot of pie. <laughs> But I was, hey, I wasn't out there. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't partying. I wasn't living like them worldly people do. It wasn't until after I'd gotten married that one day, as I was doing my devotions, reading Romans 12, it's like the scripture jumped off, my page, off the pages and just slapped me right in the face like it never had before. It's almost like there was a supernatural appeal because Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. One thing we tend to do, or at least I noticed at that time, and I still notice in churches today, we compartmentalize the spiritual and the physical. And to some degree, there is a difference. But when Christ purchases us, he purchases the whole thing. And it's a very Gnostic idea that everything in the created world is bad. Because the Bible says, in fact, God created them good. Just because it's material doesn't mean it's bad. But that's what I had fallen into. I was, oh, as long as I focus on the spiritual stuff, I'll be fine. From an early point in my Christian walk, I was basically told it was okay to use food as a soothing mechanism, because at least it wasn't that other stuff. Food is good. God made it good. God made people to learn how to make food real good. Now I'm presented with this new thing where, oh man, have I been doing this wrong. So now I have to deal with this thing with the position that God 
has made it and put my life in such a way where I took that which I used to make, to, used as a crutch, and learned to make the most delicious and succulent crutches that you could ever imagine. But God chased me with his word because he's a loving father. At that point, I was 615 pounds. Why do I bring this up? Why do I feel it necessary to provide this background? So that you might understand that as I have prayed through how to deliver this, why I might seem passionate, why people might listen to you know, this about how to steward your body, understand that I've walked through this. And most importantly, I want to point you to the fact the scriptures are very clear about how we should be doing this. How do we, so you know how I struggled, how do we in general tend to struggle with things? How do we not steward our bodies well when it comes to our daily lives? Well, do you regularly sacrifice sleep to binge watch Netflix or other things? Do you ignore the Sabbath and you just grind and you labor all the time? And you guys on the internet see those bros that are like, yeah, man, just got to grind. You know, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. That's a real problem because God has it in his moral law that there's to be a day of rest. Do you abstain from sexual immorality? Not just physical, but mental. People don't often realize the tragic physiological effects addiction to pornography can have on people. It can ruin so much about your brain and ruin relationships around you. Believe it or not, that is a matter of stewardship of the body. Let's be honest, we all know we do things that we shouldn't. Ask yourself, why am I choosing to do these things which I know are detrimental to me? You ever, have, you ever say the thing where it's like, oh, well, this is my guilty pleasure. My guilty pleasure is this. <laughs> no big deal. Why do you call it a guilty pleasure? Unless there's something about it that isn't right. What does the Bible have to say about things like this? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training has some value, godliness is of value in every way and holds promise for the present life and the life to come. Now notice, Paul doesn't actually say it has of no value. He says, it's of some value, so we should probably, you know, do something with that. I remember as a young Christian, people always trivializing this and actually using it as an excuse to embrace sloth in some manners. I even used to joke when living unhealthy, in living in unhealthy ways about Leviticus 3.16. I would always be like, well, my life scripture is Leviticus 3.16b. It says, all the fat belongs to the Lord. And I would pray, Lord, please turn these carrot sticks or please turn these Cheetos into carrot sticks halfway down as I'm eating them. 
because the fat belongs to you. <laughs> I think about it now, it's so stupid. <laughs> the next scripture is Deuteronomy 5. Uh, yeah, Deuteronomy 5.12. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is in your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as you do. Like I said before, we have a literal commandment to rest. God understands that it is essential for human flourishing to do so. We have such little time on this earth compared to many things. And when we grind away at working all the time, we miss the forest for the trees. Why are we working to begin with? I remember there was a time where Lucy had to work while I was doing full-time ministry. And it was one of those things where, yeah, it helped with money. But what was she missing out on? What was her daughter missing out on? Money's not really worth anything in the end if you don't have your family together and if you don't have your priorities in order. So literally, for the love of God, take a day off. The Sabbath is not a ceremonial law. It is in the Ten Commandments, and we must take a day for rest and worship. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 Brothers, join me in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now even tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross in Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. One of the characteristics of an apostate is that their God is their appetites. Whatever those might be. We are commanded to bring ourselves into alignment with Scripture, to be conformed into the image of Christ, and to cause our appetites and desires to submit to the will of God. If we don't control those appetites, eventually they will run amok and they will shipwreck your faith. It just starts with a little bit of compromise. And then the next thing you know, you look back and you're like, what have I done? It doesn't take much. Now, I don't want to make it sound like this is all gloom, all doom. Because God has created things for us to enjoy to receive with gladness and thanksgiving. There are times to feast and times to rest, and it is good when it's done as God has designed. 
It actually says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 24, there is nothing for a better, nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This I also saw was from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or have enjoyment? These things that we will tend to lean on as crutches and will abuse our flesh with them to try and soothe whatever wound it might be. In them, in, within themselves, they're not evil necessarily, but how we use them is. It's like the old adage of, you know, a knife is neutral. It just depends on the wielder of the knife, what they're going to do with it. It's the same thing with a lot of these things. Food is good. How do you use it? Drink is good. How do you use it? And that's where self-control comes in. The Bible says very clearly, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And within ourselves, it's not really something we can beat into ourselves to beat into submission. We have to lean on God for those things. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from certain foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Sometimes it's possible to err on the side of punishing the body to the point where that can also become sinful and you stop receiving things that God has created with thanksgiving. I am an internet nerd, and I see a lot of things on the internet. And have you guys seen these people? Like, there are people out there now, like I've heard people literally say, did you know that vegetables are trying to kill you on the internet? Like, that's a real thing that's out there. I showed a bunch of people yesterday, they didn't believe me. There's this guy who is a, a doctor walking around in a grocery store in just shorts, no shirt, no shoes. How do you get in there? I don't know. I have questions. <laughs> Maybe they were like, just don't go in here. Like, he thinks vegetables will kill you. But the point of that is we are to receive certain things from God with thanksgiving. For they're made holy by the word of God in prayer. See, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I think it's a human trait to tend to go to extremes. I'll joke with my wife sometimes. I'm like, I don't go to extremes ever, never, ever. I've never done it. In the history of the universe, I've never gone to extremes. But sometimes in our zeal, we will swap out and try to go to one extreme and we'll cut all this other stuff out and we will you know I think it is possible to be just as sinful in sloth and gluttony as it is in punishing your body working out at the gym 
We need to live lives of balance. We need to submit our lives to Christ and all that which we take in, all that which we do, examine our motives by scripture and ask ourselves, why do we do these things? Am I eating this piece of cake and receiving it with joy to celebrate God or is it because I had a really bad day and it hurts? Am I looking at this website right now because I'm discontent about something? What is the thing that I'm really longing for here? We need to bring our minds and our bodies into submission under the word of God to the lordship of Christ. Godly stewardship of the body is something that requires biblical balance. We should rest but not embrace sloth. We should enjoy food and drink but not in excess. And we should do things we will know make for a long and healthy life as far as we have control of it. Ultimately, only God knows our days. There are times when you should choose broccoli, and other times you should shut up and have a piece of cake. Some of us also have health issues. None of this is being put forth as a blanket condemnation. I have my own, and they keep me from doing certain things that I wish I could do. Most of them are a result of living a hard and fast life at the beginning and paying the consequences for it now. But God brings to pass all things as he sees fit. And sometimes it's in our afflictions that we are drawn deeper and closer to Christ. And though we don't know why, and we don't recognize it at the time, these things can be a gift as it causes us to lean ever more into the grace of our Lord. Charles Spurgeon once said, I have learned to kiss the wave that slams me into the rock of ages. And it's true, because when I'm in my weakest, he is strong. And he puts most on display his glory. And it's at that point where I'm most aware of my need for his strength and security. None of us is going to be perfect at this, and some people are going to suffer and show the consequences more than others. Need of grace and strength and provision from God. There's nobody in this room who's better off than someone else. We all have our struggles. But the point of this is that we don't fight these fights alone. We're not being expected by God to try within our own power, without help, bring these things to pass. Jesus said that he who be, or the Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. I mentioned towards the beginning of this thing how at one point I had gotten up to weighing 650 pounds, 15 pounds. And I can say by the grace of God, I've been able to shed 200 of that. And it's not easy, and it's taken a lot of dying to self, and aches and pains, and reminders of the sins of the past as I ache and different joints pop. But 
But I say this all to point out the fact that I've come to learn through the struggle that Jesus is enough. He's more than enough. He's completely sufficient. He can bring you through it. He can work through you in spite of yourself. He will sustain you regardless of what comes your way. He has began that good work in you. He promised he would finish that good work in you. So take solace in that fact. Take solace in the fact that as we try to bring our bodies under control, that we discipline them, that we die to self and live towards Christ, we mortify sin. Take solace in the fact that we belong to Jesus and that he is Lord. Remember that he has chosen you. He has saved you. He is sanctifying you. And one day you will see him face to face. And it will be glorious. The Bible, he actually says that you are his treasure through his word. Don't forget that. Now let's actually live like that. And live worthy of our calling. And steward our bodies as living sacrifices to our beloved God and King.